Welcome everyone back to another episode of DNA's The Dosage Podcast. This is episode 111. 111. Hey Rob, we 111. 111. We 111. There you go. 111. Back, of course, with Rob, as you just heard, and Caleb. Hello. Hello. There he is. I was, uh, I, I don't know. I was actually making noises. I didn't think about where my microphone was. I think that there's a spider somewhere near my feet. And so, like, I was digging in the carpet to find it. And I was still talking, though. I was like, going, yee. Then I realized you guys couldn't hear me because I was talking in the exact opposite direction into carpet. So, there's some exciting news. That's a good yeah. mic where if you're just not speaking directly into it, it can't hear you. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good mic. I need that one because mine, mine, the way it's set right now, pretty much picks up everything in my house. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, Batman, thanks yeah, for the host. Snowball. How's it going? Oh, that, uh, right on. Yeah, that snowball does not do very well with uh, ambient noise either. Uh, yeah. I remember using that for a while. Like, I didn't hate that one, but it's tough. Lana you know, says you're brave. The sound quality on it's great. Uh, come upstairs, Caleb. Um, the sound right. quality on it's great, but uh, holy crap, it, it picks up everything. I walked out. My bad. So we are back for the visual people for this podcast. If you join us on twitch.tv slash dose of Acumen when we record these on an unset schedule, so you have to sub to us or follow us rather um, for free, of course, and turn on those notifications. Anytime you see the dosage is live, that means we're recording this episode live. And we do this always on Twitch just because it's easy. Um, but as you can see, for the visual people, we are in Rob's upstairs. Yes. My recording studio. He's recording studio in Animal Crossing. He's upstairs. So this, this is pretty cool. You got a lot of the KK album covers you've been collecting. You've collected a ton of instruments here. Yeah. Fans are back. The saxophone and the gong. Those are nice. Yeah, I, I, I loved the gong. To be honest with you, that's kind of my. my... Yeah, the gong's <laughs> gong's a nice touch. What did you say about his? <laughs> his gong I'm is a nice touch. Oh my! So we're it's cutting out a little bit, dropping frames for whatever reason. Our internet is just stupid, uh, or it's Twitch, or whatever. I don't know. It seems like every other stream I do, we we drop frames. So if we cut out. Thanks for sticking with us. So tonight we're trying something a little different for episode 111. We um, wanted to shake it up. And uh, instead of like a fixed topic, we had an idea several weeks back where we wanted to do share and tell. Kind of like show and tell back in the you know school days where you would bring something in and show it and tell us about it. With share and tell, we're going to take turns with various topics that we have of interest, each of us, um, and sharing with you all and each other. Um, it might be something that we're all familiar with, like PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. <laughs> hey, you did it, not me this time. I beat you to it. I win. Dang it. All right, I'm going to do the podcast because that was my uh, <laughs> So it, it could be. <laughs> I'm sure you'll still find a way to slip it in. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> okay. 
Anyways, so that's what we're doing. That's the topics of tonight. We haven't unveiled our topics yet because you'll just have to stick around and listen to find out what each of us brings to the dosage. So the order tonight that we've decided is Caleb's going to kick things off with his. I will go second and we'll have Rob close the show with his topic. So without further ado, let's hear from Caleb. Caleb, you want to rock the mic? I, I would. Rock the mic like a candle. Van scandal. Oh, Mom's he's, spaghetti. Uh, he's going to rap for 20 them. minutes. I like it. Sure? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm just freestyling the whole time. Let me just maneuver. If you can yeah, do it for I'm 20 minutes, it. I'll be impressed. Honestly, don't tempt me because that was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay, like, I'm not trying to steer into anything. I just want to mention this. Did you guys see the big... Uh, um, charity thing that Watsky did recently he, he live streamed the entire thing he freestyled for like 27 hours or 30 hours or some insane amount of time non-stop what yeah I'll, I'll have to go dig up the link and throw it in the chat somewhere um, and then I'll, I'll share it to the DNA group but like the fact that you mentioned that it just reminded me of it perfectly it was absolutely crazy I tuned in a couple of times while I was doing it. It wasn't, like, super fast or anything. It was just very mellow, kind of talking a little bit at this speed. Not talking, obviously. Well, talking. But, like, everything he was saying the entire time had to rhyme. <laughs> That's wild. His jaw probably it fell was, off. It was crazy. Alright, that's it. Sorry. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> you you derailed the whole flow. Caleb was ready. He was hyped. No, let's can we actually close this and restart? Is that is that enough? Yeah. Um, okay, so let's hit that piano theme. What I would like to talk about. Um <clears throat> kind of breaking back to the beginnings of this new version of the podcast. I was kind of really big into cell phones and mobile tech and I kinda of wanna dive a little bit back into that. But not the cell phones because uh in my opinion, cell phones we still haven't really changed a whole lot outside of, you know, fold it up, put it in your pocket. You know, that was a fun episode when I talked about that stuff. Um, but now I want to talk about and kind of get your guys' opinions on, um, I'm going to call it like the tablet takeover or like the alternate computer options. Um, I think that there's a, a big market out there and things that are slowly popping up more and more that would take over, you know, the seven to thousand or twelve hundred dollar laptops or desktops out there and um is this the new way of the future the the smaller devices are becoming much more viable much more powerful there's a lot of apps that do things uh, that you could do similarly on a larger machine um so i'm going to go over a couple of different kind of devices as examples kind of lay their price points out and see how you guys specifically feel about each of them um but before we dive into that if it's okay i just kind of want to get a grasp of what types of devices you guys currently use so uh for me i have my desktop at home and when i'm at work i have um, a big Chromebook, like a 14-inch, but I use Chromebook because that's what all of our users are on. So it's just something that I'm familiar with, and uh, I can help them since I'm already using it. Um, besides that, obviously, I have my cell phone. But as far as non-cell phone devices, that's kind of what I'm working with. What kind of devices uh, do you guys use at your guys' lives uh, or that are non-cell phone devices? Go ahead, Rob. You want to go first, Rob? No, I just go ahead, Rob. Okay. Um, you know, despite being very inundated with tech all the time especially being it my uh it being my career path and everything uh, i really don't use a, a very diverse range of 
devices, believe it or not. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, cell phones are, are a thing for everybody. I've got to work one with a private phone. But for work, I have a desktop PC and a laptop that I have to switch back and forth for. And then at home, I've got an Alienware gaming laptop that I do pretty much all of my PC stuff on. Oh, you um, boot. What's that? I said, you bougie. Alienware, look at you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wanted the game, and I don't have the space for the desktop. And so, right. spec-wise, it's call. just, you drop the money on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I own a Surface Pro 3. Oh. Um, but I, honestly, outside of using it to watch videos during my lunch break at work, I haven't everything on for any other reason than perfect actually hold on years. don't go too deep into that because i'm going to dive deeper into that kind of stuff a little bit later with you guys all right <laughs> um that kind of smallish in the chat is my son hello alex hola um, my wife is not home yet she had to work tonight she should be home soon mind you but um but yeah no that's that's kind of it i mean if we're counting like video game consoles and stuff like that obviously i've got a electronic devices i've got my cell phones and my laptop for personal well my cell phone and my laptop for personal and for work i've got a desktop. yeah yeah so pretty much. that's basically what i was looking for just kind of you know the the non-cell phone computing devices obviously uh i won't be talking about any sort of gaming sort of situation so trav what kind of um devices do you use around the household that are non-cell phone we'll call it computing or browsing devices uh, so for main setup, obviously for the, the NAW show and anything DNA related for my, my mini studio, if you will, in the basement, uh, Andrea has a Dell tower that I got her a couple years back that we use for that. Um, beyond that, really, um, I'm a big Apple supporter with my educational background. We used a lot of Apple products. So I, I fell in love with the MacBook Pro, and when that thing basically yeah. went kaput, um, I switched over to uh, tablets, and sticking with the Apple family, I've been a big fan of iPads. I've had a Gen 1 iPad that I was gifted from my mother-in-law. I was very thankful for that, which has been now given to my son as the only things that work on it is movies, because perfect. obviously it's outdated, so it's not really supported anymore. Um, from there, she inherited an iPad as well from her mom. Well, I don't know what Gen it is. I want to say Gen 2, Gen 3. Um, a couple years back, I got, I think it's the 2017 or 2018 model, the iPad Pro. And I recently just got an early Father's Day gift. I have the new 2020 iPad Pro 11-inch. Uh, and, um, and speaking on the future of where your conversation is potentially headed, with the Magic Keyboard, um, I truly feel that the direction that we're going with power and compatibility is definitely more handy rather than buying a MacBook Pro for me. If I can do some basic editing without the advanced stuff, you know, from a tower or something, um, I really feel confident in my iPad Pro um, for 2020. Um, yeah, I, lo I love the thing, and I, I use it for so many things. I use it for documents. I use it for movies. I, I take it pretty much anywhere I go, that thing is with me. Yeah, that's so. uh, exactly what I was looking for, and you guys... Um, ended up, I feel like I knew this was going to happen when I kind of dove in, uh, just from what I know about your guys' tech background, is that you guys kind of split the difference here perfectly. We have kind of one party from each kind of uh, mobile platform represented. Uh, Travis representing more of uh, Apple knowledge. Um, 
I've never played with the Microsoft uh, Surface of any sort, so I'm glad to hear Rob has uh, one of those and uses that as a media device. Uh, and obviously, I'm a big Chromebook guy because that's what I work in. Um, so the things I want to kind of go over is just, and Travis really hit on it, I see the world going away from the, you know, I think I call it the the college special, right? You go to Best Buy, you get a $650 laptop, and they toss in. It's a plastic Toshiba that weighs half a pound and breaks when you look at it, and it comes <laughs> with a, pr- a printer. Um, so I think in my mind, that we're moving away from that sort of a um, landscape of, of electronics and we're moving into people being able to use something like uh, an iPad Pro. You know, I'm looking at Apple's website. If you guys uh, ever get a chance to go check out their new iPad Pro, but specifically that magic kind of keyboard stand, um, did you, are you getting the stand or do you have the stand, Travis? Do at the $300 price point, um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I can't afford it, but I'm going to put it on a Christmas list. And oh, just kind of cross my fingers. It's, um, it's such a cool thing, and what they're doing with magnets to be able to hold it at certain angles, yes. uh, for it to be able to charge and pass through with USB-C. Um, if you guys ever get a chance, and you're kind of nerdy like me about technology, uh, I highly recommend at least looking into videos about the iPad Pro and its stand because it, it it looks magnificent, magnificent, and the price point, and like you said, plus the <laughs> price point of the um, keyboard adds up to be kind of over what I'm. Uh, we're talking about here, but if I scroll down the page, we get into the, the very base model new iPad. Uh, it comes in like 329 and you can get the keyboard and it uses the Apple Pencil. Uh, and in my mind, I think that's like a killer deal uh, because let's be honest, most people, what do most people do on uh, electronics? Just what we talked about, right? You, you watch movies, you do maybe a little bit, of edit, little bit of editing. I think, and Travis, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like almost any Apple device, mobile, still uses like can you still do like garage band and like really light music editing and photo editing on even something as simple as an iphone or an ipad yep so they generally come stock with garage band and imovie now yeah and so i think for me the way i think about it is unless i'm a professional getting paid you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to edit movies i'm probably going to be just fine making making do with uh, something like this and it's such a small form factor and it makes sense and i love where apple's going using the ipad and USB-C charging um i think that it shows that maybe one day we'll get an iphone with, with USB-C charging um so that the world's universal and you know can we can be happy together um that's <laughs> something that i'm excited about personally um but you know the then kind of moving over to the microsoft side um microsoft recently has been putting out the past couple years their kind of light version of the of the microsoft service and people who aren't familiar literally microsoft surface is just a tablet with a pc built into it it's got a a light version of windows 10 sometimes a a straight up version of windows 10 right on it and it comes you know you have to buy the external keyboard there's always there's always up charges and upsells um but I think that those things are good. How have you done any playing around with its power um, over there in Microsoft World? Um, to be really honest, not a ton. Um, the Pro is one of the one, uh, the latter version that you mentioned, where it came with a full version of Windows when I bought it. Um, but the one that looks like someone quietly left. Uh oh. Oh no, that's okay. Someone cool. got kicked. Keep um, going. <laughs> Caleb, did your system go to sleep? Oh, shoot. Womp womp. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, right. While we're dealing with that, you guys see some load screens here. But um, what was I saying? Uh, no, so mine, uh, the Pro is one of the ones that came with the full version of Windows, but I got mine so long ago that it came with Windows 8, not even 8.1. Ugh. Um, now, it runs 10 now um, as a, a, a full 
Oh, it kicked us both back out to the airport, Travis. That's okay. My, my beat, guys. You I know where you're going. Right. Um. So when I when I first got it, you know, I messed around with it a little bit. I put, uh, I have an Office 365 subscription, so I put Office on there, and um, I actually used it as a extra device at work for a while, um, because it was way more portable than my was. So I did a lot of uh, office work with it, which you know that's uh, that's very light in terms of system intensity. Uh, I can't talk today. <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just not very system uh, system intensive. But uh, I did for a little bit dabble with some drawing programs because that was actually the main reason I wanted the Surface was because the the one that it, when I bought it it came standard with the pen uh, I did have to buy the keyboard separately but the pen came with the surface itself um, and so I messed around with some artistic programs a little bit for that because I wanted to get back into drawing um, and ultimately it didn't really go anywhere because I was really let down with the sensitivity of the pen um, I said in the chat earlier when Travis was talking about the new iPad that he got, I'm a little bit jealous because my understanding is the uh, Apple Pencil is significantly better for stuff it's, like that. It's phenomenal. And, and Apple, what they've built into the, to the iPad OS, um, the kind of palm detection, right? So so that you can draw on the, with the pencil without letting your hand or any other context really do a lot of drawing has gotten so good um, from my understanding. It's really fun. I enjoy watching people draw on iPads online. Um, probably a weird thing. I know a lot of people laugh when their kids watch people open their unhatchables or whatever, play games on TV, and people laugh at them. Uh, they probably laugh at me ten times harder to know that sometimes I just watch people draw on We all watch weird things. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, we man, all, that's what Twitch is for. I was going to say, we, we watch, all create... doing it. Exactly. We all create weird things, too, on Twitch. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, now the the service does have that. Uh, that was one of the things that actually was a selling point for me as well is the the palm detection, so that you know you could rest your hand on the screen while you draw. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it really boils down to the pen, uh, the, the pen, the surface pen, um, at least the surface pen too. Um, it's just it's not very good. Yeah, and, it, and at least not comparatively and. I just haven't been willing to put the money into buying one of the newer ones to, to see if they've improved any. Yeah. I think at this point there's a very good chance I would switch, honestly, to an iPad Pro if they were going to buy another tablet. Yeah, well, and, and it makes sense for me to hear that because the way I view these kind of companies and these these enveloping worlds of technology is if you're going to be doing something crafty and artistic, Apple's just the way to go. There are way more um, programs and apps on those devices that are uh, – primarily used by professionals uh, to, to do those creative things. A lot of the editors, a lot of music um, things happen obviously within the Apple world. Uh, we just talked about the pencils great and I feel like more people head over to Microsoft when they want to be a little bit more nerdy about the computer and, and um, try and you know, break into things. And so for me, I, I like to talk about what I think is still a relatively little known kind of world unless you have a kid in school or unless you're like me or Travis and kind of worked in the Google world. Uh, Chromebooks are starting to really start to blow up now. Uh, they're coming in at very affordable price points. Uh, the one that I have my eyes on, it's called the Lenovo Chromebook Duet. 
it comes with a kickstand stand. It comes with the keyboard, attachable, detachable. Um, and it's basically a Chromebook tablet that you can slap a keyboard on uh, and run around and use. And I think I would say 75% of the world uses computers as if there was just an internet browser, which is what Chrome devices are. A lot of people are just browsing the web or scrolling through web apps uh, to do things. Well, so I, I think, mean, go ahead. I, I just want to really interject when you're on that 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 thought there. Um, and this relates to the gaming world. You talk about just browsers. We're talking about the future of gaming coming soon with what Microsoft is touting as well as what Google ultimately attempted and didn't really succeed at. We're talking about cloud gaming. So you're not going to need these powerhouse computers anymore either because you're going to be streaming games to these devices. Yeah. Absolutely. So that opens the door there for for stuff like that to be very successful. Yeah, I think that's another great point as to where I think the world's going. And I think you would be silly unless you're trying to be a professional gamer or a professional, you know, video editor or music editor or, you know, virtual drawer program or whatever. I think you'd be, in my opinion, slightly silly um, to try and, you know, blow a whole bunch of money uh, when you could stay under three or four hundred dollars and get a device that will do 90 percent of your functions and will probably build and be future-proof to do the other 10% virtually five years down the line. Um, I, I have been kind of playing with Stadia a little bit. Uh, granted, it's been on my PC, but not that that matters a whole lot. I've been playing a little bit of Destiny, um, and it's quick, and it loads in, and I haven't had too many problems. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of great game structures. Right. But if I had a kid come up to me and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to school next year. What do you think I should get? I'm going to point them, in my opinion, towards a Chromebook or towards a, a Surface or an iPad because you can do a lot of your typing. You know, I, I've grown to really love all the Google Docs because a lot of them uh, are very, very similar, slightly less powerful in some worlds than the Microsoft uh, equivalents. And I think you can type up a, a, a paper on a Chromebook just as easy as you can on a, on a $12,000 or $1,200 laptop. Uh, and I think that you could stream games to a Chromebook just as easily as you could stream games or potentially play them on Steam somewhere else. Exactly. Uh, or it'll be better down the line. And so for me, I think when you compare, you know, a $280 device that comes with a keyboard um, to a $600 device that I know is going to die in four years. Um, anyways, I think that I wish more people talked about it. I wish there were more more videos. I think there are more videos and more more um, articles out there talking about how you can do a lot of things on an iPad that you could do on your MacBook Pro. And why won't, why don't you just save the $800 and get the iPad instead? Um, and so I well, just kind of want to use my time to talk about this version of the world because I was saying I'm a big tech nerd and big kind of a hold in your hand technology nerd. Right. Uh, and I haven't really talked, had many chances to talk about this recently. Um, and so I, I think when you look into also the world of, hold on, I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going, um, in the world of uh, foldable technology, when we talked to, you know, a couple uh, episodes ago. Oh, I'm here. Oh, told you I know where I'm going. Um, yeah, well, by the time you said that, I was already at the <laughs> The foldable world, uh, Microsoft is looking to hopefully release uh, a new device sometime this year, probably next year, the way things go, just in general, as they're 
their um their surface duet i think this is what they're calling it, or surface duo it's their kind of foldable fold in half tablet so it'll look like an ipad mini that folds down into like a chunky phone tablet um and then you could use it and you could get a bluetooth keyboard i'm sure uh, and it just takes that form factor even smaller and so i'm i'm very intrigued at where the world can go with all these advancements in technology um and good price points for devices uh that make sense for most people so I don't know that I hit my 20 minutes. I probably did because I tend to ramble. Um, but <laughs> do you guys have any kind of takes that we haven't really hit on this world of smaller, more um, versatile, more mobile devices overtaking a more permanent, heavy, expensive world? Yeah, I mean, really, I just reiterate the, the things that I mentioned already, agreeing with you, uh, saying that that's the future. I, I think consumers want something more, I guess, travel friendly but still powerful and i think these portables are fitting that now and especially with cloud stuff and cloud gaming coming uh the people that are spending the, the thousands mean? like you can't hear it very well are you there <laughs> uh the people that are spending like thousands on towers and custom you know boxes with the lights and stuff i just think that's such a waste of money sure it looks cool but like i don't think that's the future and i think that's a very niche like market for and I, I hate to say this but like bro gamers like if i'm putting a like a, a <laughs> classifying something yeah um but i mean like i said they look cool but like i don't know for me like that's not my focus like things look like how they look like that's ultimately why um i see a lot of positive and negative for apple stuff apple is very basic very plain but it has everything i need all in one small you know great bundle and to touch on what you said about the Mac po- MacBook Pro versus like an iPad or something, um, I, I still think there's a market for both, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I think tablets are getting better and better, and they will continue to. Uh, for example, one of the things that I did with an iPad um, was I helped you out for your wedding yeah. reception. I actually created a mini like photo booth station, like a confessional, if you will, and we shot it. I edited the video on the iPad. And uploaded it, did everything I needed to do, and you know gave it to you. And yeah, uh, and it was solid, and it and it's um it's worked exactly for what we need. And and I think as technology improves, and we start to see phenomenal cameras and phenomenal AI behind the cameras, and things like the Google Pixel or the the Apple phones, um, how good those cameras can be in such a small form factor. I think you put that in a, on a medium device like yours. I know yours had a great camera too. Um, uh, the new camera is so much better too. The yeah. 2020 iPad, holy crap, the camera. Yeah. And so now mm. you're starting to look at a, a device that can do much more professional looking things uh, still at a price point that's competitive and cheaper and it's much it's a much more versatile machine um, so I'm just excited for the future of technology and those form factors I think if I had my dream job it would be to get every new piece of technology that comes out to my doorstep so I can just play with it um, I you get bored of phones easily apply not, for CNET as a columnist there you go it's an mm-hmm. option so that that's that's kind of uh, my show and tell. I don't know, Rob, did you have any points that we hadn't quite hit on? Well, the one thing I do want to point out is I, I do have to agree with uh, this assessment in that the whole fancy light case thing is a niche market. Um, and I, I don't see that really being kind of wave of the future. I, every now and again, it surges back up and it goes right away. I mean, the original Alienware laptops were 
they lit up all over the freaking place. And, you know, she's like, no, there's one alien on the back and a little bit of trim and the keyboard. And, you know, you can customize the lights. And that's as far as, you know, as, far as the, the lighting kit stuff goes. Um, but to your point about moving more overall towards your smaller form factor devices and leaning heavily on the streaming services, you mentioned Stadia, um, <laughs> we've mentioned on this channel many times that I bought into Stadia uh, <laughs> before it came out. I still haven't even opened it. I was like, just I going to ask, have you played it yet? <laughs> no, I, I still have my sealed Founders Edition. Oh my god. Um, it, well, because they were like, yeah, you'll get access to Destiny with it. And I'm like, I already own Destiny for free on PC and I bought it on PS4. I don't need it on Stadia. I'll wait to open mine until they put out a different game because it's supposed to change every month. And then month two was Destiny again. And I was like, I don't care. And then month three was Destiny again. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, it took, I think, until month four or five before they finally put a different game in. And it was another game I already owned. I was like, come on. <laughs> Even if it's a bad game, give me a game I don't own. <laughs> um, but but uh, I played with the tech demo, which is why I bought into Stadia in the first place. The tech demo for it was just mind-blowing. The tech demo was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I played it on a browser on my Surface flawlessly. So that was pretty awesome. Um, Raven Knight in chat says, to be fair, Locky won most games. That's not <laughs> untrue, and I don't need that kind of negativity from me right now. Um, but what I will say is if we're going to move away from, uh, like you guys were mentioning, having the bigger, beefier machines and move more towards those streaming things, I think one of the not-mentioned side effects of that is going to be, uh, I, I think we're going to have to see a bigger push for standardization for internet services, because <laughs> let me tell you how bad the internet's going to get real fast if all the gamers are trying to stream the game to themselves and play it online, you know oh, yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it'll be a complete um, infrastructure overhaul for sure, if That's yeah, especially yeah. with 4K gaming becoming a thing. So that'll be a major, major thing, but I'm interested to see how that gets handled. Um, but then also uh, servers for it in general, you know what I mean? Like right now, one of the... Travis, you mentioned the Xbox streaming. Um... And I don't know necessarily what happened to it. I tried to log into the app today, uh, and it wouldn't let me sign in. So I don't know if maybe it's just over or what. But um, one of the there were two works uh, in that app. One that was streaming from their servers to your device, and one was you could set up your Xbox as a streaming device to stream to yourself anywhere as well. Um, so that'll be another interesting thing to see is, is how the servers are kind of handled from the standpoint is are you going to be allowed to set up your own server to stream to and from in which case you would still be the one buying the game and holding out of those rights or if we switch to a full uh, streaming service uh, what's going to happen with rights issues at that point if you're only streaming the game in the first place you're not even buying it anyway you know what I mean like you own it even less I, th I know that's. I think it'll be something you've talked about in the past. Is is you don't like that because if you buy a game, you can play it whenever you want. But if you buy it digitally, they can take it away, and there's nothing you can really do. And they've done that. I think the streaming idea is not necessarily you setting up your own server. It's piggybacking off of something, and this is all speculative. 
um, is piggybacking off of remote play, like what PlayStation 4 does. Yeah. So I think that kind of tech is going to start not you setting up your own server per se. Um, from streaming from their games, I think it's possibly going to be hopefully better um, than the PlayStation service. Um, was it? God, I can't even think of the name of it now. Um, PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now, thank you. Um, yeah, my brother wasted his money on that. He's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, while that service was fine, it's not great. Xbox does it better where you download the game and it's just cash and then it authenticates because you're connected to the internet. And once that game is not in their pass anymore, it's just gone. Even if it's downloaded to your system, it's just gone. You can't play it, so you just remove it. Uh, example being they just recently added Red Dead and got rid of GTA from Game Pass. So if it's installed on your system, which is 100-plus gig, you go to launch it, it doesn't play because it doesn't authenticate. So I, I think Oof. things like that... Well, I think at that point they prompt you to buy it. Though. Like, like sure, they, they do, but it says you don't own this. Buy it or get rid of it. Yeah. So I think it'll be things like that um, as far as the, yeah. the future of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll just kind of wrap up my little final thoughts before we jump on to the next... Uh, version is I think Travis really said it best in my opinion when you're looking at the form factor of what type of device you might want to buy for you know a non-cell phone computing potentially virtual gaming device I think it all depends on what you want to do with it and that's been true for computers as long as they've probably existed um, if you want to do you know professional editing and you want to do um, if you want to be a pro gamer it probably does make sense you know, if you're getting paid thousands of dollars if you win this match, it probably makes sense to have the beefiest um, graphics card, the thing that's going to be the most uh, up to tune, you know, fastest thing as possible, so you're not mixing that pixel on your headshot. Um, but that doesn't apply to you know a vast majority of us. So I would say for the 75 to 90 percent of people, it makes much more sense to buy into these smaller devices um, that can do pretty much anything you want it to do. Uh, you may have to tweak it and learn a little bit of a different way to do it, um, or wait you know a year or two before a, a different way comes about. Um, but I definitely think that that's the way to go, and I'm excited for the future of. Uh, smaller form factor portable technology so that uh, i rest my case awesome good opening uh segment there uh i think that was a really good conversation thank you um so for mine mine's not as nerdy on that level <laughs> and i say that in the most complimentary way um mine is more so of an upcoming game an upcoming combination of games uh, so in the last couple of weeks, we saw an announcement for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. And is a remaster, remake, if you will. So one thing that I want to get out there to avoid confusion, Tony Hawk HD, if you all, call, all recall, was released back in 2012. It was basically an up-res reskin of the original Tony Hawk game. Uh, it was HD levels from 1 and 2. It was a partial soundtrack. It didn't have split screen. It didn't have creative skater modes. It received a lot of mixed reviews. Uh, it was kind of clunky, and it felt chunky, if that makes sense. Um, and it just wasn't a solid, with love, remaster or remake. Because it wasn't. It was just an HD reskinned version of the PlayStation 1 classic uh, game that is Tony Hawk. So we got the reveal uh, a few weeks back. Coming this September is the release date. Uh, September 4th, I believe. I could be wrong, but it is coinciding with the same 
release window of the Avengers game, which is problematic. Um, because I'm very much anticipating that one, as well as this mm-hmm. game, obviously, for my topic here. Uh, but coming this September 2020, there are going to be the base game, which I like the price point, $39.99. It's one and two, all the levels, a majority of the soundtrack, and only six songs are not making a comeback due to licensing. Uh, the collection will re- feature updated visuals, all of the original levels, all of the characters and tricks, as well as extra challenges, a more elaborate creative park mode, which I'm excited about. You can even share these custom skate parks online. So that means you and I could share our parks that we create and challenge each other and see who can do the best trick lines. So that's very so exciting. Like Mario Maker for Tony Hawk. Yes, basically, yes. That's sweet. So, yeah, very that's sweet. Cool. Uh, it's going to have a brand new online multiplayer mode. So you can play together in your parks live with each other and just have a skate session and just hang out in free mode and skate in your parks and listen to a killer soundtrack together. On top of that, the game will include the vast majority, as mentioned, of the iconic songs. And here are six not returning for those that are interested and remember their favorite songs. These are the six that are not. Three from the first game, uh, Screamer, Nothing to Me by Speed Dealer. Psycho Vision by Suicidal Tendencies, Committed by Unsane, and from Tony Hawk 2, Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy. I'm very sad that's not coming back because you you would know that song if you heard it. That is one of the most iconic mm-hmm. ones from number two. Uh, B-Boy Document 99 by The High and Mighty, Most Def, and Mad Skills, as well as Out with the Old by Alley Life. So the playlist if you're interested if you have spotify check it out they've already put together a tony hawk one and two playlist for the upcoming game so get familiar with your favorite songs from 20 years ago uh, and again this is going to be very exciting um yeah, that's 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 sweet i, I the, um i didn't know any of those songs like i've never been in that world of music but definitely playing the game would not be the same if you didn't have those kind of punk kind of rocking songs i, I i'm very excited to hear that those are coming back well there's a yeah, uh, an interesting the fact that they're not bringing back uh that trap song no 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 no. i was actually going to say that the trap song was never in the game that. to begin with no i know so there's a petition online to keep trap off the soundtrack even though they were never featured in these first two games um for whatever reason um well not for whatever reason there's a very significant reason um the singer trapped is a dick um, I hope you're listening to this podcast, you dick. Um, he is a dick. <laughs> he is. He's just. He's gone in Twitter wars with people. Look him up. He's look up Twitter uh, war trapped. You, there's a bunch of stuff on it. He's just. He's a jerk. Um, but there is a petition to make sure he does. Not, his band does not make the game. Which, <laughs> whatever. Um, he's, he's he's not going to. But it's just comical yeah. to me uh, that that's happening. Um, so the real question is, who is handling this remaster? Because that's a big topic of debate. Because remasters, uh, which we may or may not get into, um, can be good, can be bad, can be fucking garbage. This one is being handled by Vicarious Visions, which has had some history with the Skate franchise, which if you remember those games, those are very excellent skateboarding games, and we've been begging for a Skate 4 for a long time. Hopefully this will kind of fill in that blank. Um, some of the studio's earlier projects were also portable versions of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and the more recent thing that they had worked on 
was the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy remaster. So they're oh. very familiar with coding from PS1 games. That was very well done, too. Exactly. So that gives me a lot of hope. Um, they have HD scans of parks. They have HD scans of the iconic characters. And they're actually aged appropriately. So they're not the young skaters anymore. They are aged appropriately for this re-release. I don't know if you'll be able to toggle back and forth between, um, but to land a 900 as a old Tony Hawk is going to be very exciting. Um, Again, the game is retailing for $39, but you can buy a deluxe edition if you can find one, which I was able to find one because I was very quick with my thumbs that day. And snagged one online. It's uh, 99 and comes with all the DLC content as well as a replica uh, skate deck of Birdhouse. So one of his custom uh, skateboards, basically. Oh, that's exciting. So full that's size, too. Cool. So uh, super um, cool. Got a question for you. Yeah. Any chance that it's going to be backwards compatible with Tony Hawk Ride? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to probably go with a negative on that one. Um, Are we even uh, admitting that exists? <laughs> it's something I always wanted. Um, I, it's, I I never had an Xbox 360. My, my brother did. Um, and I was like, oh, gosh, I really got to get this. Uh, I'm glad I didn't because I could just see myself breaking it, snapping it, and getting frustrated because I didn't know how to use it or wasn't good with it. Um, but I thought that was such a cool, fun idea. I was you know, sad it wasn't a, a killer move. Yeah, it's not a not a killer app. There there have been a lot of good Tony Hawk games over the years. Um, five was not so good. Uh, that was the most recent one. Uh, American Wasteland was really solid. Underground was really solid. Um, one through four was really good. And personally, I feel that this one and two bundle, if it sells well, which honestly I'm predicting it will, um, they're going to do a three and four remaster the following year. Is my full I, assumption. I could see that. So really, um, that's I'm just very excited for it. I, I just wanted to see if you guys have played, uh, you know, any of the games, and uh, if you have any like uh, memories to share of of any of the early games, or really any of the games in general. Yeah, me and my brother were like really big, and probably one through four, uh, we played all of them, and it, it's uh, I think it's what made me want to be a skateboarder uh, i always asked for one for christmas i finally got one uh but i could never learn how to do any tricks um back then, there wasn't there wasn't like internet or like like there is now at least there was no sort of like just youtube how to do a kickflip type of deal um and you know you could stare at the screen all day on the video game but it doesn't really show you how to do the tricks you had to buy so thrash best, magazine man <laughs> the best i could do is just like i could turn <laughs> that was a trick and like i could uh you know I don't know, start on the ground with my feet on the ground and the skateboard flipped over wheels up on my toes and I would like jump up and land on the skateboard on wheels and, and that was my trick. So, um, But it pertained to the games because that's what you asked about. Um, <laughs> I really loved the game. I loved collecting skate in all the different kind of um, arenas and uh, that's something I'm excited. I, I feel like there's one specific one that I remember was so hard for us to get. It was like in the smaller arena, you really had to get this huge air up over these lights to get the S. Um, and I'm excited <laughs> to try and get a chance to do that over again. Yeah, in that all those game modes are coming back. Collect the hidden tapes, collect the letters, that stuff. The point challenges, um, you know. All they even said they've gone into attention to details, finding like people who have played those so much they have a line, 
And for those that don't know, a line is something that you string of tricks to get, have a string of tricks that you do together to have cumulative amount of points and multiplier um, to achieve high scores. So these lines, they've been attentive to detail because if you remember, the aspect ratio is going to be different than those original games. So they've yeah. been they've been careful about recreating these worlds from the original levels to have that attention to detail to keep these lines still available for those you know veterans of these games. So the other thing I remember the most, sorry, I just just wanted to get this in before I forgot, is uh, at that age I was just a very young gamer, and so everything was button mash mode. So for me, <laughs> it was hit the ramp touch as many buttons buttons as you can and then try and stop in time just for it to land um but i, I could never i've never very good at it it was always very fun see i was i was huge into these games back then um mira i played hoffman cool borders um any of these extreme sports games even that crappy one too extreme um they also had what was the inline one? Oh, i can't remember the inline shoot, one well, but it was it, it was bad. But I even played that. I think that was on the PS2. Um, but this just this game in general brings back so many memories of um, me attempting to skateboard in real life as well, hanging out with friends at the skate parks, trading tapes, um, learning about things like uh, Hurley, Element, um, DC Shoes, Atticus, uh, all these different apparel things, and, and this whole scene of the punk, you know, rock music, pop punk intro into this. Um, and then CKY, for those that don't know, a lot of people were introduced to that world through skateboarding and skate videos and trading of videos, which ultimately led to the success of the early 2000s with Jackass. So a lot of these things, like if you were part of this scene or this crowd that was really deep into it, not just playing the game, but deep into this world, um, like this, these couple of years were just such a huge, you know, influential time for for media and gaming and this type of stuff, making a breakthrough into the mainstream. So it was a really cool time to to like these things. So for me, it hits that nostalgia button um, real hard for me, and immediately, like, I got very excited. Almost, not quite, but it's up there when they were like, "Hey, the." The Master Chief Collection has all of the Halo games that you like coming out, so it's not quite that level, but it's 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 close. It, it it's up there if they were like, "Hey, guess what? Remasters of all the Mass Effect trilogy in a bundle." You know that it'd be another moment where I'd be like, "Okay, you can have my wallet." <laughs> so it's it's one of those franchises where they've had a lot of hits and unfortunately some misses, but I'm very excited for. Uh, for this game to come out, so. And I think it's coming out at a you know, I guess to to piggyback off of my topic, I think it's coming in a coming in at a very interesting and cool price point. Um, the forty bucks is, uh, I don't know. I think that's great. I think they could have tried to go bigger because people are always going to pay for stuff like this. But I think, uh, you know, I think that's a that's a cool price point to come in at. I think I think it's very fair. The Spyro remaster was the same price. A lot of these games, um, that's going to be the first feedback. Why am I paying full price for a game that was already released just a remaster? And honestly, it, it doesn't mean they're doing any less work. If anything, hell, they might be doing more work to recreate code and put a fresh coat of paint on something or rebuild something from the ground up. 
to try yeah. to replicate something that was created 20 plus years ago. That ain't easy. But people think that it's just copy and paste and then, you know, change something in the file type. It's not that simple. No, this is gonna be, so yeah, this is going to be some, some massive up uh, overhauls to, to do what they're doing here. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. But that's really the gist of my topic. I just wanted to share my excitement for that. Um, I had another idea, but I'll save that for another episode. Yay. So that leads us to uh, you, Rob. I like how we have to like tiptoe around the room. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the only problem with all the stuff. Yeah. There's not as much space as Oh, shoot, I missed out. I could have gone... Yeah. And to touch yeah, on Trevor in chat there, Final Fantasy VII Remake definitely wasn't just copy-paste. You are 100% correct there. Yeah, uh, there no, was a lot of yeah. love put into that game. It's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> Growl into the microphone. Um, so, segueing directly from, from what Travis was talking about, not just in his topic, but also in the chat just now, um, are we going to be able to cross Tony Hawk? Like cross-platform? I, I'm not certain mm-hmm. on that. I mean, that would be cool, but uh, but but what I wanted to talk about is uh, something that kind of ebbs and flows in media anyway. Um, is the constant re of of, of everything. Um, as you mentioned, we're getting the Tony Hawk one and two, uh, and the we just got the Fantasy Seven remakes. Um, what about Kingdom Hearts then, Recoded? See, that that falls into a category, but I actually wasn't even really going to touch on that one. <laughs> um, but no, no, so, so you, you, you've got your major key categories for media in general, but, you know, it's been coming up a lot in gaming now, as opposed to in movies where it was the time. And it never goes away in movies, but it was way worse for a while, and now it's chilled out a little bit, but now we're seeing it come up a lot in gaming again. Um, and you've got your, your remake, your remaster, reboot, and your crash. And, uh, so what I mean in each of these cases, you know, you've got your remakes like we talked about already with Tony Hawk and Fantasy, where you take a game that was already made, um, and, you know, you bring it back out again, updated, but with something new about it. And in Final Fantasy's case, a lot of combat system. Uh, they changed story elements. Obviously, the graphics were very much overhauled. Um, Final Fantasy is actually a really good example. Great remake. Uh, and then you've got your remasters, where they just faithfully update the existing game as they were. Uh, you mentioned Crash just got its series of remasters. Uh, Spyro also got one. Uh, Tony Hawk got the unfortunate one you mentioned before that got very mixed reviews. Um, but you, you see those a lot. Reboots sometimes go very well, sometimes they go poorly. Uh, one great example of what went very, very well was the Tomb Raider trilogy uh, that came out, uh, started coming out a while ago at this point. With, uh, was it 2013, 2012? Yeah, it was the end of last gen, the beginning of this one. Um, yeah, yeah, so I mean around that, that period was Tomb Raider, and it was a complete reboot of the franchise. That game was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've not personally played the second or third one in that trilogy, but I've heard relatively good things about both of them as well. They're they're um, both great. So that's yeah. So that's another example of a situation where reboot is applicable and, and goes very well. And then you've got uh, 
what I've decided to call refreshes, um, and the, the biggest, most direct example of it I've got is God of War 4, um, or just God of War, as it was actually titled, but, uh, you know, the 2018 God of War was, in my opinion, a perfect example of a refresh of the series. It kept the existing continuity, it references the previous game's storylines very heavily, but if you've never played any of those other three games, A, you're not really left out in the cold. They do kind of explain a good chunk of it throughout the course of the game. But more than anything, is it does not feel like any God of War that came before it uh, in terms of gameplay, but it feels exactly like every God of War that came before it in terms of narrative. And so I, I just think it's really interesting to see, A, you know, those four majorly different styles of approaching uh, reuse of existing IPs, but it's also very interesting as a kind of a, a thread in um, pop culture and in media uh, entertainment in general. Um, you don't see it quite as much in, in music, per se. I mean, you do see covers. Uh, that happens, but it's very rare you see somebody go, I'm going to do a cover of this entire album. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly, Wicked. That's exactly what I mean. God of War is a perfect example. Um, I mean, with music, uh, there have been bands that give a great example. Um, the Beatles, they've had their music remastered go, to go from mono to stereo the best they could from the original recordings. Um, you had bands like um, Nine Inch Nails had a remastered uh, album of their first you know, works. Um, so, I mean, that is a thing. A lot of bands, uh, Van Halen, yeah. a bunch of them had, you know, up. Well, and that's that's why I said you don't see it as much and not, you don't see it as, uh, at all. Right. Like Hollywood's notoriously bad for it. They do that kind of shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially if you're Disney and you're constantly yanking old movies out of the park. Yeah, um, my, my question is, is uh, your guys' take on this is, um, you know, I view them as either people and this is like way over generalized so don't jump on me too much here is some people are either you know now we said it's not too okay just speak caleb uh it's either gonna be um you know you're too lazy to come up with a new game movie or song or idea um so that you're just gonna remaster and remake this one just make it look pretty um or that you think that this one just really deserves um a, a new run at life or a, a new refresh um, I, I highly doubt that many people actually are too lazy, but in my mind, when I see a lot of reboots of movies, sometimes, um, I just kind of just think, really, you couldn't have just like come up with your own idea instead of trying to like redo this one and you made it poorly anyways. Um, mm. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on, on that kind of viewpoint of, of why someone would choose to do these things. Oh, I mean, cash grabs, hundred percent cash grabs and new gen to absorb content, uh, that may not go out to find the old content i'm going to lean heavily in the movie world because that's just you know i know a little bit more about that even though i'm a gamer um i'm going to use blumhouse as a great example they started out as a very great innovative studio and they've been acquiring licenses um to remake things uh we're talking about the grudge we're talking about um halloween um they're talking about black christmas um they've shifted away from the original content and then the excessive sequels of such original content into acquiring these classic, I put in quotes, classic uh, horror franchise and to give it a, a reskin, if you will, with a very similar story to be told for, I'm going to use The Grudge as an example, um, as well as, um, gosh, what else did they do? 
Um, but they haven't been doing a lot of good things with these things. And I think it's cash grab to maybe bring in various parts of the horror audiences. Whereas some of their other things um, have been really good. And it's just sad to see from a company that was knocking it out of the park for their first you know, few to several years to come to this point. So I don't know what changed there. Um, but that's my stance on, on, on that. It's, it's just cash grab. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. See, I don't disagree with that statement because I, I think it hits the nail on the head. It's, it's definitely a cash grab. But I think realistically anything that they put out is to a certain degree. I mean, anytime somebody comes out with a new IP, uh, be it a, a movie or a video game, it's almost always cashing in on some sort of trend of that. Yeah. Um, it, it's very rare that it doesn't happen. Um, but, I mean, Fortnite is, is a great example. Fortnite blew up the Battle Royale, and suddenly everything well, you know, even if it didn't make sense, it, we needed one. Well, right. You appeal to trends, but there's a fine line to appealing to trends and then passion projects um, and then making it your own. That's well, sure. It's like cloning or replicas, if you will, of things that are popular just to have it in your thing. Um, this this happens all the time and has always happened in multiple forms of media and music. Um, you know, it's it, emulation or replication is like... Um, a form of flattery to to someone's art. Um, you could see this back in the NES days, all the way trailing up to the more HD consoles with like Gears of War Horde mode. Then all of a sudden, everything had a Horde mode. You know, every generation of things has this copycat because there exists a consumer base for such thing. So it, again, it relies supply, demand, and, and trends. Everything's related to a trend. It's it's you know commercialism and capitalism. So. Well, sure. Um, but my aside to that actually was more that. Um, nope, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's absolutely a cash grab. I, I don't disagree with that in the slightest. Oh, that's okay. That's where I was going. Is I think the funniest part of it is whether or not it's a perceived cash grab depends on a couple of different factors. And I think the biggest one is always going to be time. Um, and I'm going to use uh, Spider-Man as a great example. They did the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and then turned around and rebooted it with Andrew Garfield not that long later by comparison. Um, and even at that point, everybody was like, why are you rebooting this? Uh, first of all, 3 was not good. Second of all, um, we just did this, like, recently. But there's you know, a why reason. Why are we doing this again? There's a reason. What's that? I said there's a reason for your example. No, 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 I know, I know, I know. But but so that, that time is a factor there because everybody was complaining we just had Spider-Man, why we had Spider-Man again. And then the initial reaction was uh, when they announced there was going to be a new Spider-Man in the MCU and he was going to get his own series. It's, again, the question was, why this is ridiculous and of course the answer is it's money in in one form or another sometimes it's uh oh shit we need money and sometimes it's um we're not going to get the right kind of money out of this or whatever the reason is it's, it's always money uh spider-man happened in this very tight clump and tom holland's spider-man has come out of it for the better 
but the initial reaction to we're getting into Spider-Man is not great. Um, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got some of those uh, horror franchises, like you were mentioning, where they're suddenly like, we're going to reboot this franchise and, and do a new one. And it's like, oh, that's cool. We haven't seen a new one in like a decade. And the initial reaction was, in a lot of people, it was hesitant, sure, but in uh, an equally large amount, I think people were like, oh, cool, a new one. It's been so long. Let's do this, uh, and so that I think is a major major factor. How quickly you do these things back to back. Um, you mentioned a while earlier in the conversation a potential Mass Effect remaster, and here is a, a bridge between that first factor of time and the second factor of enjoyment of the franchise. Um, I want the Mass Effect remaster. I would personally, at this point, prefer if they just waited till the next gen and drop it at early release for PS5, because why am I going to bother buying it on the PlayStation 4 this close to the end of the cycle? I mean, I will if it comes right. out. Right, I agree with that, too. They should wait. But they should absolutely wait. Um, but also, Andromeda didn't do well. The little bit of Andromeda that I played, I actually really didn't understand a lot of the hate that it got. But again, I have to admit that that comes from not playing it when it first came out and not dealing with all the bullshit glitches that everybody else dealt with. Oh, let me but, tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> right? But so, Mass Effect is not that old, but it's definitely not that new. I'm excited for that they're actually going to turn around and do it. There are a lot of people saying the same thing, like, why? Just make a new one. And yeah. again, you know, it's money. Andromeda didn't do well, so it's not real high on their list of risks to take to try a different direction again. Um, and again, Andromeda didn't do well, so it's not real high on the list of risks to take to try to do a sequel either. Uh, so what do you do? Do you let the franchise die? And, you know, the fans' answer is no. At the very least, give me the remaster. And I think that's the other major is what the audience wants out of the franchise. You know, I, I think a lot of people would get behind a massive remake for those reasons. It's been long enough since the first game came out that it would be okay to, to you know, remake it. But also, you know, we kind of, we don't want the franchise to go away. We want something new, but we didn't really care for what was already available. So what do you do, you know? Yeah, I mean, it puts studios in a very difficult place because that would be a hell of an undertaking for those games specifically. Um, especially with the complications and how they handled the problems of Andromeda. So it's, you know, it's a very difficult decision that I could not make myself for a company. So, oh, of course. But, yeah, you know, a side note to a lot of things that I wanted to propose to is a, a question for you um, in regards to your topic here. There is a very relevant, time relevant at the time of recording this thing that's coming out this week and in the coming weeks. Um, we're seeing a lot of 2K stuff start to get ported to the Nintendo Switch. Borderlands is an example. Burnout is an example. Bioshock, you know, the collection of those games are getting ported over to the Switch. My question for you is in relation to these remasters, remakes, reboots, etc. Uh, what is your... Uh, stance on ports is there a, uh, an interesting beast in this conversation uh, but I think by and large I have to give them a pass simply because the idea behind them is not necessarily a cash grab in the traditional sense of uh, oh my god this is easy money let's just do it and more in the sense hey there's a whole market we 
have underserved or missed outright, let's fix it. But here's the balance yeah, I, that I have to ask you. I think it is a cash grab when you're selling ports of games that are possibly 10 years old now or more without it being a remaster or anything like that for $59. Oof. Well, so the, the the question I have for that is, A, if they are $59, is it for a single game? Because if it's just, say, Borderlands 1 for $60 on the Switch, get fucked, that's ridiculous. On the other hand, uh, if it's all three games, or even the first and second game plus relevant DLCs, you know, or the Handsome Collection, you know what I mean? If it's some sort of collection uh, where you're getting multiple games worth of content, it being 10 years old, I don't really feel it's relevant necessarily. Uh, Bioshock Trilogy could come to Switch and not remaster the most, uh, at all, because it was all three games. And I think it's totally worth $60. I think it would even be worth $80 to all three of those games, so, as they are. Let me ask you this. They are the remaster, or, or the bundles, or whatever, of these games. They come with the DLCs. They are pricing at anywhere from 39 to $59 this week on the Switch. Let's say you are a console owner of not just a Switch, but a PlayStation or an Xbox or both. Those games are constantly on sale for less than $10. What would give you the reason to go spend 60 to have it on the Switch when you can just hop over to PlayStation and buy it for $8. Portability. Sure, I guess. Yeah, okay, so that's, <laughs> that is one major, major factor. I think that's the only reason that the, the ports, in my mind, they, I think they make sense, and in my mind, they're actually almost a necessity to be ported over to such a newer console like the Switch. Um, I do think, I, I view it as a kind of delayed cash grab uh naming scheme i think porting it the decision to port it alone is a necessity and i think that's a smart move of any anything if you can get it out to more viewers uh more players more power to you i think that you're helping them whether you make money off it or not um and then the decision to outrageously upcharge if that is what it is if it's not these bundles um that's that was where your decision to make a cash grab uh was enacted and that's where it's like poo poo shame on you um Really, no laughs for that one. Um, <laughs> <I'm just listening. laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. A little delayed there, um, but you know, for me, I just didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> I think that it's it's a necessity. I think it's smart for people who haven't played them before, uh, or maybe really are you know dying to play them again. I'm not one of those people who love to replay games very often. Um, uh, at least not ones that were within the past five to ten years. That's why I'm excited about. Uh, Tony Hawk, but I'm not necessarily excited about uh, a Mass Effect because it's been a much smaller time gap since I've played those games. Um, but I think that, yeah, putting it to something like a Switch or potentially if you can port it over to like a Stadia or something, the portability of being able to play those um, on something more mobile uh, becomes very much more enticing to me. Yeah, I just asked as yeah. a devil's advocate in this regard because personally I think it's depending on the game because I, I uh, like... I'm going to use Diablo as an example. Um, paid full price when they came to the Switch. That was 59 when it came out. It was... I mean, how many years ago did that come out on the 360, PS3, and then Xbox One, PS4? It was that 2011, 2010? Yeah, it had to be almost 10 years ago. Uh, the initial release was May 15th, 2012. Okay, close. Okay. When was it on PC? Like... 
Yeah, that was the the very very first. One. Okay. So I mean, we're talking a decade, and like, it's really. I, I think it comes full circle in our conversation tonight on what people will pay for and what they want out of their devices. And tonight's topic really should be portability. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, that's hurtful. So I, I went and looked at the whole lease list, okay? The PC release date was May 15th. The PS3 and 360 was just uh, a little over a year later, September of 2013. And then August of 2014 for the PS4 and Xbox One. And then there was a four-year gap before it was released on the Switch in November of 2018. Well, to be fair, the Switch came out in 2017, so... Well, yeah, and so that's that's kind of what I mean when you say ports, in my mind, almost universally get an automatic pass. Specifically because um, you, you couldn't possibly put it on the Switch in 2014. It didn't exist yet. You right. know what I mean? Um, Could you imagine the Wii U? <laughs> <laughs> oh Hard dear! I, I don't know why anybody <laughs> imagined the Wii U in the first place. Hey, it was a good um, system. It was okay. No, it was I a good it. system. Uh, Switch beta. So <laughs> there you go. Switch beta. That that's the true Switch light. Um, well, but no, so so yeah, this is more Switch heavy. That, is, that thing was a beast. <laughs> it was pretty heavy. The thing about ports really is is like I said, first and foremost is what all you're getting in it at the price point. Um. Because uh, Borderlands One, no DLC for twenty bucks, it's still a little bit steep, but not completely unfathomable. Um, but say the Handsome Collection for forty, I think is totally. The Handsome Collection for sixty might be a little bit pushy. And so it's it's really a combination of what all are you getting and at what price point is is the first question. I mean, the games are worth the price though. Those there's a lot to do in those games, so. Well, and so that's your second question, is what game is it, uh, for sure? Because um, Diablo uh, is a good example. You paid 60 bucks for that when it came out on the Switch. I actually don't even think that's necessarily a bad decision, per se. Um, I wouldn't have done it because I have interest in playing Diablo 3, not mobily. I barely have interest in playing it on the console, even though I bought it on, I think, PS4. pretty sure it um, you know, and I played it a little bit there, but I was like, I just prefer this one. Um, but I also tend to not really gravitate towards rebuying a game I have in the first place. So to your very, very first question, what's going to prompt me to buy it now on the Switch? Damn near nothing. If I already own it, I'm not going to buy it on the Switch. Um, especially if it's not a remaster um, or a remake. You know what I mean? If there's nothing that really puts it above the original release, I'm probably not going to find this, which the portability is just not a selling factor for me, personally. Um, but that said, you know, I know the reason, one of the reasons that you bought that game on Switch and why you bought some other stuff on Switch um, <laughs> uh, was the portability factor entirely. Um, so I, I, I think what's going to push you to buy the same game again for 60 bucks on the switch i you've answered it yourself with that you know what i mean um you, know, you said you you mostly asked a devil's advocate question so it's not like nah, travis but like <laughs> as a gamer you know if i have all three systems I'm, there's there's going to be a bias there always is oh most you know? definitely because um, there are games that i'll 
Oh, I've, I have rebought on the Switch. Skyrim is another example. I've owned that so many different times, but really it's that portability and what I want on the go for games. Um, for me, the, the Borderlands collection, I, had it, I have it on the Vita, and it's so much better on a console, an actual console console. I'm not stating the Switch is not. Um, but I just don't feel it's proper for the Switch. And the same concern for the the Bioshock games, like those are amazing games. I, I told you my favorite game of the last gen, being the 360 PS3, was Infinite. Um, it's it's not good enough for me to be like, yeah, I need that on the Switch. It's just not that well, type of and game. I think, I think the other thing is, and it really boils back to, um, you know, you have access to that already on a, on a separate console, but. One of the other major things that happens is, especially in the case of Nintendo, you've got these situations where historically, you know, my house is, in, in, uh, is a Nintendo house. We'll never have this year. And so you're never going to play Bioshock on the Xbox. You know what I mean? If, if you've only ever had one system, and that, that is also a very common thing, is only having one console in the first place. So if your only console this gen is the Switch, right. and it sucks you're gonna have to drop 60 bucks on bioshock which is you know a 10 year old game but you can play it exactly and i think that's the other reason that in my mind port from one console uh, one console family to another is in my mind it's basically an i also got to emphasize on something that does not get discussed a lot in regards to ports because people immediately go to the things that we discussed regarding them one of the most important things with ports is that it opens up the door for developers to understand how these consoles are coded and operate and then it opens the door for them to develop new IPs or new games on these consoles for the future and it welcomes these developers that is not discussed enough yeah I think that's an absolutely valid point to make as well Um, and it actually is not any it's not actually the point I was this tangentially related to the other point I was going to make earlier in that um, you know when we talk about pricing for these ports and then being a little bit higher say 20 bucks for the first game where you can get it for 8 on another console normally I still don't see that as being a problem simply because that's a new console that's a new platform, it's a new coding structure and again just like we were talking about copy and paste, you know what I mean we didn't just slap the Xbox game on the Switch cartridge and go there you go yeah, so, I mean, very, very important thing to consider, which I don't think your casual gamer even gives a crap about that. That's not the no. things that they're debating. Oh, not at all. So, but definitely very, I think that's very the, important. Those are the kind of points that you really only consider when you've been knee-deep in this shit like we have for as long as we have, and it's just like we're not part of the industry necessarily, but we look at things a lot of times from a more industry-sided perspective, uh, regular consumer. I do have one thing I want to pitch to you guys. Yeah. Um, I want to do a, a remake or a reboot of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, live action, bringing back all the real actors who have ever played Spider-Man. Um, what's your take? Uh, I'm 100% on board. I think that would be awesome. I'd watch it. Okay, I'll start working on it for next <laughs> week. <laughs> Tell Toby I said, what up? <laughs> somehow Seabiscuit just like rolls in no wrong movie <laughs> wrong Toby 
Oh, Lord. Um, kind of closing with the, the original topic you had, did you want to touch on any more uh, with the, the re returning to that? <laughs> uh, it, honestly, no. That my, my topic went exactly the way that I wanted it to. I wanted to throw out a couple of examples of what I meant by those particular things and just kind of let it flow and, and let us all kind of have a moment to say what we think about each thing. Um, so, I mean, I guess if I had to put a cap on it, um, I think the refresh approach is awesome. I think it worked very, very well for God of War. I would argue even for Spider-Man technically is a little bit of a reboot slash refresh because um, it was very similar to the older games, but not exactly the same. And obviously it's a whole new story. So um, that kind of bridges both of those. I think remakes absolutely have a place, especially if they're done well, uh, a la Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it was mentioned earlier in the chat by Raven Knight that it would be awesome to see a game like Chrono Trigger get a remake. And my response in the chat was to say, yeah, get the same guys that did Fantasy VII remake to do it. Isn't that a thing that's properties. coming uh, to Switch? I think Switch? that would be absolutely phenomenal. Isn't there a Chrono Trigger thing coming to Switch? Uh, if there is, I wouldn't be surprised to find it just console. I mean, it was originally a Super Nintendo. Wasn't that announced last, uh, last E3? Isn't there something related to Corner Trigger coming to Switch? Am I crazy? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, if there was, you'd find it and let me know, because I sure didn't see it. I might be crazy then. Really weird. Okay. Um, I'll look that up. Comment below if you know and you're listening to this right now. Let us know if we don't find it. But ultimately, let us know, too. What you think of this format change? Do you like this? Do you hate this? Do you want us to go back to single topic and just like rank things, or have just one one specific thing to discuss? Um, but ultimately, did you guys enjoy this? I thought this was fun. I, I hope the audience enjoyed. It. This was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think this is a nice mix-up to throw in with our different styles of episodes. Yeah, uh, and I think it allows us to talk about a wider variety of things. Oh, for sure, and it brings a little bit of each of our own personalities, interests, and backgrounds into, uh, you know, what we, we do here together. So I think it gives a little bit more character, if you will. Um, yeah. But yeah, ultimately, that is the conclusion of our 111th episode now of the ongoing series of The Dosage Podcast. Check out our archives, available now on all podcast platforms. All you got to do is search for Dose of Nerd Acumen, check out Dose of Nerd Audio, Caleb's separate DNA podcast as well. Uh, he has all of his stuff archived on there. And again, with 111 episodes, you know there are 110 out there more for you to find for your ear listening pleasure. So again, share us out, tell your friends, give us a follow. We're also available every single week on twitch.tv. You can check us out live during our live streams every Thursday for our featured show, Nerd Acumen Wrestling, every Saturday for some lockbox, jackbox games every Monday with Not-So-Silent Bob um, playing a variety of really interesting games uh, as of late, playing some really cool stuff with Rob. Um, and then we have, every time we hit a milestone in our donations, we have Andrew Alana streams stuff. We've rebranded that to expand upon the things that she'll be playing for you all. So an episode of that coming up soon. Um... Am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something in regards to our Twitch shows. Uh-huh. I I oh, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Very important. 
segueing into our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Dosen Check out Warzone Wednesdays with Mikey Nightmare. He's been putting up some really cool content. He actually might be going live later on after the live recording of this. Quick, what? Let me hop in Who's a what now? If he wasn't doing it so late, I would. You, you would like I, I'm usually on. I see him. I'm like, you know what? I should just hop in there. You should. So if you want to join up with him, there is cross-platform, cross-play, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's pretty good. He's uh, much better than I am, so I don't play because I would hold him down, and it would just be bad. I like to hold people down because I find it to be entertaining. <laughs> also, like, they need to save money to buy me out anyways, so, like, if you're going to save money, you might as well spend it. Yeah. Wicked in chat says they are way sure too good for me to play with. Okay. Well... So give us a follow on there. Let us know. We archive everything on our YouTube channel. Almost 600 videos available. We're also available to connect with on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So check us out on social media today. Become a part of our community that is ever-growing. Just hit 750 on Twitch. We're over 500 on Facebook. So again, thank you for the continuous support from each and every one of you. And then we have a huge milestone episode on June 4th for the two-year anniversary of NAW. We are giving away an Xbox Series X. Very cool. You're going to want to check out that episode. We're doing a raffle for that because we earned over $1,000 in donations to make that possible. So, again, thank you all for anyone that supported. So, that is really all I have. Any closing thoughts from uh, you guys? No, it was great to talk to you guys again. I love doing this, and uh, yeah, always good to be back in front of the mic. Definitely, Rob. Guys, so much. <laughs> you gonna make it? <laughs> so, um, uh, no, I got nothing. Well, he's got nothing. Check us out though, if you want to play games with us too. Just hit us up. Find us again on social medias. We're around. And until the next dosage, stay safe out there. Stay classy, right? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, PlayStation Battle All-Stars. Everybody go get it. Oh, oh it. damn it. You can catch me on the Vita. Let's oh, do this. We almost, almost exited without it. <laughs> until next time, thank you for joining us on the dosage. See ya. Woo-hoo.